Welcome back to the uh, the Aerospace Executive Podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to have Julie Noonan with me today. Uh, Julie is an executive coach. She helps companies um, uh, build effective teams. She helps them with their coaching and she helps them with their change management. Uh, she's do, been doing a great job for what 20 years now, Julie. Is that what I understand? More than that. <laughs> More than that. So uh, you can, uh, w- we've got a couple of things to talk about today. Absolutely. And, Great uh, to be here, Craig. Thank you. It's good. So the one thing we were talking about last week before we uh, we came on was uh, a little bit of uh, the dichotomy between the dichotomy we're seeing in business between the gray hairs like me and the younger generation coming up. And I, I don't think I'm on the, I think I'm on the, the tail end of the boomer or maybe the, uh, the millennial. I'm not sure where, but uh, so. Well, if you were 1964 or earlier, you're a boomer. Oh. All right. I'm almost not a boomer anymore. <laughs> almost. Just barely. I'm the I'm the last year of the boomers myself. There you go. There you yeah. go. Six months and uh six more months and I would have been uh, I would have been in another category. So it's well, there it's you all, go. It's all good. Are you seeing a big uh you're you're talking to a lot of companies, you're you're coaching mm-hmm. a lot of people. Are you are you seeing a big uh are you seeing big a lot of friction there. How are how are the generations managing to work with each other without without the friction or without killing each other? Oh, uh, I think I think COVID actually helped to some degree, um, mainly because I think that the boomers uh, wound up having to adopt some of the things that the the millennial and the Gen Z population wanted, which was obviously working from home. Uh, some of the newer technology, uh, some of the more flexibility and freedom around when and where you work and how you work. And so I think um, COVID actually ripped the Band-Aid off in a lot of in a lot of ways. And it helped to usher and I'm not going to say usher out some of the the main things that boomers held dear and sacred, like being in the office um, in order to network, um, mm-hmm. and being able to be seen, to be promoted, that kind of a thing. It ripped the bandaid off of that for the boomers. And now the millennials and the Gen Z population is having, um, a lot more success in actually creating the culture that they want in companies. Uh, they tend to have a little bit of the upper hand right now, um, only because they're humongous. The millennial population is the biggest work population we have right now. And I know I hear a lot of uh, boomers saying, well, you know, Gen Z and the the younger millennials, at least, they don't want to work. They have to be coddled. They have to be protected. They have to, we have to really baby them and that sort of a thing. And what I'm finding is when I've talked with the, the millennials and Gen Z, to for the most part, they just want to be developed. Mm-hmm. They want to exceed, excel in their careers, but they want to do it on their own terms. And when I remind boomers, hey, um, I think that was actually how we started out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, um, it, it's kind of an interesting conversation that we yeah. have. I, I, you know, I, I look at things. I talk a lot of the young. I, I talk to a lot of younger kids in their twenties. Yeah. And I'm actually quite impressed with what they're thinking about. Oh yeah. You know, they're, they're worldly. They think about things, you know, they're looking for a purpose. Mm-hmm. They don't want to just go and, you know, they're not going to do mindless work. Yeah. Um, you know, and I appreciate about that. 
And the relationship I have, I mentor a lot of college kids, interestingly enough. And, and, and if you say, Hey, teach me, you know, I'm not, I'm not a first adopter of technology. I'll, I'll, I tell people straight up, I'm not a first adopter of technology. I don't really care. I'm, I'm happier handing my iPhone to my daughter and saying, do it. Yeah. You, yes. you do it. Um, if I say you teach me, they're happy to teach, but on the flip side, they're, they're looking for, they're looking for some experience as well. So there's, there's a great, there's a great opportunity here to, to teach each other. Right. I think one of the one of the things that I do up front when I have uh, populations that come together and they need help with how to deal with each other is what I find is I start with. And so I'll literally sometimes, depending on the depth of the of the divide, if you will, I'll actually do a values assessment and have everyone actually it's a very short assessment, very easy to do. And I would, I will have the whole team look at the values across the team. And what we find is that a lot of the values that everyone kind of holds dear at the base level are the same. And so there's something that we can build on. So family, time with family, uh, flexibility, um, uh, the ability to succeed, the ability to uh, continue to learn and develop and grow. Mm -hmm. A lot of those come out across the board. What, where some of the biggest differences are um, includes uh, uh, going above and beyond. That's a big one is going mm. above and beyond or um, identifying with my job as I am my job. That's different too. Um, I work to live is the mantra of the younger generation. I live to work has been some of the boomer attitude, mm -hmm. mainly because our definitions of success um, have been different. So what we thought, the boomers, what we thought was successful is obviously, you know, a lot of money, um, big house, uh, the title, the power, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Whether or not, we fully bought into that as a different story, but that was what in our minds and what was set up in front of us as success. Mm -hmm. The millennial generation and the Gen Z generation, their definition of success is entirely different. It's living a life worth living, living a purpose, um, uh, taking care of the planet, Right. Mm -hmm. Having uh, a family and time with my family, et cetera, et cetera. So there are some elements that run across, but by and large, their definition of success is very different than our definition of, of success has been. And they they probably they they probably learned it. You know, they, they, I live to work versus work to live. Yeah, they mm -hmm. worked. They they worked to live because they saw their parents killing themselves living to work. Correct. And all the stuff that they gave up because they were you know fighting for that corner office and a meaningless title. And you know, at the end of the day, nobody cares when you're 75 years old in the golf course. Nobody cares, right? That you were the you know vice president of whatever at some company. You're just right. You know, you're just the person on the golf course now, right? And, right. you know, it's amazing how, how, how yeah, you have your 10 minutes of fame 
as a but, as a <laughs> one of my favorite um, object lessons when I did I did a class early on in my career um, for high potential employees mm-hmm. at a big bank. And we were talking about the definition of success. And I said, okay, I want everyone. And we were in a high rise in a big city. And I said, I want everybody to come over here and look out of this window. How many corner offices do you see? And because we had been talking about, you know, the corner office being the pinnacle of my success in my career. And then when I said, how many corner offices do you see? It puts some perspective in their minds. You know, um, there are a gazillion corner offices. Mm -hmm. Is that what you really want? Or is there something else that would create, um, create in your mind the feeling of I have been successful in my life? Right. So I absolutely adored that lesson because and I've used it since on a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah, I I take it a little bit different. What I tell the younger folks is success is freedom. Yeah. And when they're looking for freedom, I go, look, and and the way I always talk about it, as I say, look, the world has so many doors open to you. You know, every door is open to you. And, you know, you, if you decide to party in college and get mediocre grades, well, some of those doors just closed. Mm-hmm. If you decide that, you know, that that the first three jobs that you had really weren't worth having and you jump around in a few months, you every few months, a couple more doors close to you. Mm-hmm. But if you if you if you open your mind and you take ownership of the the stuff that is in front of you, more doors tend to open. And the more doors that are open, you know, it's, it's freedom. You know, you will have freedom in your life versus just, you know, there's only a couple paths you that are open to you. Right. So that tends to resonate a little bit. Yeah, I would, I would think so. Um, I know that one of, um, one of the people that I've been working with recently, who is a, <clears throat> who is a millennial in their thirties, who is looking for a change of career. Um, and is in a position that on the outside would look very successful, but is not um, for this person very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And um, they've been at the organization for less than 18 months. And it is a scary, a scary move for this person to make. And so we are actually exploring the whys of why are you thinking about moving and what is it that you're looking for that isn't here and what makes you think that it will be somewhere else and so uh, we have spent a lot of time on personal motivation Mm -hmm. on um, what is really what they love to do Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you're familiar with Marcus Buckingham's latest work love plus work no and it is amazing i think it speaks right into the new culture of of the millennials and the gen z but it's it kind of goes along with his theme about play with your strengths build on your strengths not ignore all of your weaknesses because obviously some of those will close doors as you were mentioning mm-hmm. however if you build on your strengths you're more likely to, to succeed 
um, and get noticed and do a really great job because you're already good at it. Mm -hmm. And what he says is find something that you love to do. And, and no one else can tell you what that is. You have to find it. And I really enjoy having those conversations with um, in, a, in an executive coaching um, perspective because it allows people to dig deeper than just their work situation. Um, it allows them to dig into what makes them tick and what really jazzes them up and motivates them intrinsically. Mm-hmm. So I like to um, I like to get beyond the the uh, job itself uh, when I'm coaching these folks, and it really makes a difference for the younger generations. So is the younger are the younger generations teaching the older the older folks <laughs> to chill out? I mean, is, are, are they are they are they are they getting there? Is it is it and how is um, it, are they getting there? How are they doing it? And is it working? Yeah, I think that I think they are they are open to teaching, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, the the older generations. I think what the biggest barriers that we have is the older generations not being open to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the older generations, you know, leaning into their own stereotypes, mm-hmm. leaning into um, into um, rules that no longer apply. Right. And so when I do have the opportunity to put open-minded executives, typically those are um, within 10 to 15 years of retirement and they still, and they want to contribute and they know that the way to contribute is to get the next generation ready Mm -hmm. and running smoothly. When I get a group of those folks and I team them up with a group of, you know, smart, mature, uh, millennials and gen z individuals Mm -hmm. the learning back and forth is amazing and um, there's a term for it that jack welsh created way back in the 90s called reverse mentoring and i believe you and i talked about how it seems to be more two-way mentoring right uh the way i was describing it which i totally agree with but getting getting uh those two groups together with with the purpose of learning from each other Mm-hmm. And challenging their um, perceptions, challenging their their dearly held beliefs, and being open about that challenge is amazing. And I have seen, um, and I say the younger generation can teach the old, older generation to be to understand enough about technology to be dangerous, mm-hmm. <laughs> and to continue to make great decisions for themselves as well as for the company. Yeah, look, no, I think that you know the reverse mentoring is is awesome and mm-hmm. once again the successful career is always a learning process. It's yeah. always a learning process and 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 it's about conversations and it's about young people reaching out not just to the people in their own company looking for sponsors in their own company or mentors in their own company but it's reaching out in the community. What do you do? Right. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. What? And then, and then it's, 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 it's a constant back and forth. Yeah. Where I start to think about like, you know, things, you know, where I start to worry, yeah, I'm following this Twitter debacle pretty close. Yes. And I I get it. You know, I get, I get it from the Elon Musk standpoint of, Hey, I've got 44 billion of my own money. 
and we've got to, we, you know, playtime is over. The free food, the the lattes, the exercise rooms. We actually have to dig down and, you know, create something of value. Yo, know, I know where he's coming from from that standpoint. I think the message that he sent, the the the, the way he delivered the message, was, you know, probably not the best. But on the flip side, I look at the other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just be diplomatic. I'll be diplomatic there. Yeah. Um, you know, on the flip side too, I'm looking at the people who are left at the company going, hey, look, you know, now is you know, are, are they are they really looking at it like playtime's over, the free food and all the good stuff? Or are they looking at it like you know, the, the, the person who's created more shareholder value in the history of man has taken over this company if we follow him. And if we succeed in the adventure, what doors become open to us? The interesting, it, I would love to have that conversation um, with some of the individuals who are left in the company. That would be a just a fascinating research project. Mm -hmm. um, and it will be very fascinating to see what percentage of the people that are left are still there in a year. Right you know, and what, what the real fallout is from, from his actions, not just what he did, but how he did it. Um, it it'll be very, very interesting. As I tell executives, there's six things that people want in their career, challenge or mm -hmm. purpose, challenge or purpose. It's, you know, kind of hand in glove location, the ability to, you know, ability to move up in their life. Money, people, and security. Mm -hmm. And that's it. It's those six things. And I sit there and say, if, if Elon had come in and says, we have a big challenge before us, here's our purpose. You know, we're going to do a hybrid work. It's not perfect, but we got to be in the office some. You know, if you follow me, we're all going to accelerate beyond your wildest dreams. The money will be awesome because I'll share in the upside. We're going to build great teams. And because you're successful in this endeavor, your security forevermore, both financially and in your career. If you come in with a positive message like that, you know, the, the, uh, I think people would be breaking down walls to work at Twitter. Maybe not. <laughs> well, there, there's also um, something that the younger generation brings to the table that uh, perhaps the older generation isn't as comfortable with. And that is uh, they bring in a sense of their own um, morality and a sense of their own um, position in the world. Mm -hmm. And if a company, whether it's an individual in the company or the company itself um, is living against what their personal morality says, then they won't stay there. Oh, no, no, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, you, that, that doesn't last 10 minutes. Regardless, I think regardless, I think this, maybe our generation would have stuck mm -hmm. around because we didn't have as many choices, right. to be honest with you. I mean, bottom line is um, nobody had to, nobody had to come to me and say, oh, the purpose of banking is to help people own a home and blah, blah. No, I needed a job. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, hey, you look, know, my, my parents, 
in my parents' generation, you got fired, you were you had a black mark against you, and and it yes. was a it was not a uh, people worked thirty years at a company until they got the gold watch and the retirement, and that was it. And right. if you left a company, got fired, whatever, it was a it was a black mark, and it now it is a badge of honor. Yeah, to some people, so I just it's it's very and not casting judgment on any you know, of the generations or any of the individuals who make choices, but every individual that makes a choice is making a choice based on those, those base level values. Right. And if you don't understand what those base level values of the individuals are in your company, it's very likely that um, you will miss the mark on communication. You will miss the mark on what motivates them. And if your company culture isn't reflective of your personal beliefs as the leader of that company, then really what, and, and you're not um, upfront about that when you're hiring. That's another thing. Um, you're going to have people that come in, get in the water and go, oh, this is so not what I wanted. Yep. <laughs> and they'll jump back out. Some of it's good riddance because they don't match what I need. However, it's it's very costly. And you might as well be honest and say point blank, pretty much like he did. This is how it's going to be. Yep. You're in or you're out. And regardless of what anyone says, this is the culture I'm creating. And this is what I think it will yield. And if you're in, you're in. This is what you have to do to stay on my bus. Yep. And and that's okay. At least he's honest. At least you he's know, honest everybody about it. has a choice. You're exactly right. And I had this conversation with my daughter the other day. She's a geologist. She's in mm -hmm. the field. It's her first job. It's very, very taxing. Mm -hmm. And she was telling me something. Oh, it's not fair. And I said, honey, you know, you need to just take the F word out of your dictionary. <laughs> because I would love for the world to be fair. No, no, I would love for, you know, peace, love and, and rose colored glasses. I would love for everything to go well. But what I will tell you is you have a choice. You have a personal choice. You can choose to get over this, this um, thing that you think is not fair mm -hmm. and stay with the company and, um, and find the things about the job that you really like, or, you can decide that that's not where you want to be and you can leave. Right. Ultimately, all of this is your choice. So it was an interesting conversation. I, I have that. I have that, you know, and, and, and the conversation I have with people is that there's no, you know, the, there's no perfect world. No. The world is not fair. It's not going it, to, it's not all, you know, you know sugar and, and gumdrops and roses. Uh, it's work. Mm -hmm. It's work and it's not play. And, you know, you're dealing with people and, and, and not everybody likes me and I don't like everybody, you know, and, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. You may not like me. Well, all right. You don't like me, but you have to deal with me. Exactly. Uh, and vice versa. And if you don't do, and if you don't have right. to deal with me again, it's your choice. Right. And the, and the, and the choice I, and the choice is how do I be successful? Right. Where look, 60% of it is, you know, 50% of it's great. 
you know, 30% of it's okay. 10% of it is mediocre and 10% of it really is horrible. Well, you got to figure out how to uh, you know, deal with this, you know, the stuff you got. Well, and that's what makes, that's what, but that's what makes successful people. It does. It does. It makes successful people because it, it regardless of the, the current situation they have in their, their minds, this is what success means for me. Mm -hmm. And if the current situation isn't getting me closer to that success, I can change the situation. Right. Or if it is, I can put up with some of the things that are not great in the situation and still make it work for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I can make sure that I'm not running over somebody else on the way. <laughs> but, but, you know, going back to Elon, I like the message he put out. It's the same message the Navy SEALs put out. You know, it's, yeah. hey, a hundred of you guys are going to come, a hundred, hundred, you know, people are going to come in, you know, in, in, in a week, 90 are going to be gone. Yeah. Come if you want to. But yep. this, but this is it, and and like I said, I'll, I'll be interested to see. I'll be interested to see where where it all goes. So, in your coaching, mm -hmm. how are you teaching companies, big companies and small companies? How are you teaching them to manage the age? You know, what are you telling them to do to manage the generation gaps that we're now seeing, and the expectation voids that we're now seeing? Right. Well, number one, I encourage them to get third parties involved. Shameless plug, you know, hire a coach, hire an ex external company to come in and facilitate the kind of conversations that the real kind of conversations that you want to have. Make sure that the company um, leadership understands the culture that they want and that they're building and how it impacts their bottom line. How does that culture give the company success? And if there's some part of that culture that isn't giving the company success, either because the world has changed or um, or we need to move in a different direction, then get that third party to come in and help move that culture in one way or the other. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, I think, um, get rid of as many stereotypes as possible, because if as soon as you put somebody in a box you've limited their ability to shine. You've limited that innovation. You've limited that creativity. You've limited the, the motivation. Right. And, that, and that's for anybody across the board, regardless of, of generation. Um, but if you can eliminate those stereotypes and deal with people straight on and make sure they understand that they always have a choice, but that here's what is expected, they can make the choice or they can, you know, they can opt get out. on the bus or get off the bus, whichever. Yeah. I hate that phrase, but opt in or opt out. out. You can opt in or opt, opt in out. or opt out. Exactly. Subscribe or unsubscribe. There you go. <laughs> um, so that's, those are two things. And then the third thing I think is to find ways to uh, facilitate those two-way mentoring. Um, opportunities without the power stru structure in your company, if that's possible. So for instance, if you have several um, high-level executives or directors who are open and willing and, and are you know looking at the last 10 to 15 years of their career and they're um, they want to remain relevant and they want to 
to keep up with the technology or the uh, the new demographics, the new cultures that are coming up in the world and how it impacts their companies. And you've got some millennials who show a lot of high potential, mm-hmm. um, a lot of innovative thought, a lot of maturity and openness. Facilitate those groups getting together either one-on-one or group sessions. Mm-hmm. And and let them learn from each other and then report back to the company what they're learning from each other. Make some case studies about them. Sponsor some projects that come out of that collaboration. Um, So those are three things that that I encourage uh, organizations to do right now. And it's really opening up communication. Yeah, I, I like the same thing. And the one th- the one thing companies do that I don't like is when they start yeah. to pick, you know, who's the high who's the high performer. The high, and they start to identify the high performers. Right. Because that what that does is it takes the people that are not identified and it puts them in a different basket. Yeah, it puts them in a box. And yeah. you don't know, and you don't know, are these high performers? I mean, they may have a Harvard education, but are they really? Right. Or what about the person who's clawed and scratched and come up? And this is the conversation I have with a lot of you know, businesses is every executive in your company needs to mentor somebody. Mm-hmm. Let them figure out who it's going to be. But everybody, everybody coming up in the organization exactly. gets, a, gets a mentor or a, a sponsor <clears throat> or a, you know, someone to guide them along. And, you know, you, you know, no, not everybody's going to stay. And it's not a waste of time. Not everybody's going to stay, but at the end of the day, you build better teams and better communication. I think you break down some of those hierarchical barriers as well mm-hmm. as the generational barriers, um, as well as some of the functional barriers that you have in, in companies, um, you know, operations versus sales or marketing versus sales or legal versus HR. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you can you can open up quite a few of those avenues too. And, and it's not necessary for the um, the sponsor or the mentor to be in the same function as the person that they're mentoring. No, I totally it's not agree. A, it, it's, off, ob, it's obviously not about the function or the discipline. It's about business and it's about life and leadership. So yeah, I 100% agree. Helping people get better. Hey, Julie, yeah. how do people get a hold of you? Well, they can uh, link in with me on LinkedIn, Julie okay. Noonan, or they can uh, look me up uh, from with my website is uh, jnoonanconsulting.com. Cool. And we'll put that up in the show notes too. That's great. Thank you. Thanks for coming on today. Enjoyed the thank conversation. This is great. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you again. All right. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pippen.